They were high school sweethearts that got married and had two kids. It's the Brunettes. From a new location, they tweet all day, but that's okay. They're the Brunettes. She is a journalist. He is a wonk. Wonk, wonk, wonk. They talk about the news or whatever they want. In the fight for justice, they're on your side. You can't deny it's the Brunettes. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Amtrak Acela Train. Joining me today is Elizabeth Brunig. Hello, folks. We have a single microphone on this train, so it was very similar to our first podcast. Remember that when we were sharing one microphone? I do remember that, yeah. So it means that I can't uh, interrupt you exactly, um, and that there'll be a lot of uncomfortable fade-outs and these sorts of things. Yeah, yeah, I do. I recall those days. It wasn't good. It wasn't good. Like that, I just cut her off. Um, so, um, how has your Amtrak experience been so far, Liz? Uh, you know, pretty good. The train was an hour late, uh, you know, but otherwise, pretty good. Okay, took it away from her again in mid-sentence. Um, I heard, and this is just a rumor going through the cabin, that the conductor... He looked at his sheet and saw 301 when it should have said, when it's supposed to have said 201. And that's the issue we, we've been having. No way. That sounds like bullshit. But if you think about the two, kind of looks like a three at the top, you know? So what, he just went extra slow or something? Like, like fucked around in a town or what? I, that doesn't make any sense. He just set his alarm one hour later than he ought to have. That doesn't, that's, that can't be right. That's what the customers, the passengers are saying back here in coach. I I don't know about that. Uh, I did see on Twitter that uh, Jen Pisaki said today that that's why people call him Sheriff Joe, referring to Joe Biden. And I don't know what the fuck else she was talking about, but I was just so blown away by the contention that people call him Sheriff Joe. Yeah, she's mixing him up with Joe Arapaio, famous for uh, his outdoor prisons in uh, the Arizona desert that uh, kill people and lead to enormous uh, civil rights lawsuits and these sorts of things. Yeah, I, I, I knew about Sheriff Joe Arapaio, who had the torture camps in the 105 degree heat. Um, I, I, but, but, but why the hell would anyone mix Joe Arapaio up with Joe Biden and why... Would you want to, as his spokesperson, what the hell is going on in there? He's taking a much harder line these days. His polls are flagging, and so he's trying to dip in a little bit more uh, into the cruelty vote. Um, now, I've noticed you're not in your assigned seat. Sella has assigned seats. So uh, why do you think that it's okay to just sort of flaunt the rules in this manner, um, potentially even breaking the law because it is a federal state-owned enterprise, and so potentially this is a criminal thing. Um, well, if if they get on to me about it, I'll just say I'm a child and I had to sit with my dad. Uh, likewise, in purchasing your ticket, why not just also purchase one for me? 
And, and then they might put us in the same seat instead of having me purchase one separately. Uh, I have a response to that. I was tired. Mm-hmm. What does that have to do with it? I was tired, and so um, my mind was not working well. Okay, all right. I can understand that. You were fading out. Well, we'll see. I mean, we got a few stops ahead of us. Someone ki- might come and kick you out of your seat. But then again, maybe you say, hey, buddy, go down over to 9A. That's where I'm from. Yeah, um, you know, this is my dad. I, with a mask on, it's hard to tell whether I'm a child or not. The passenger over there is probably more pleasant to sit by. Than you or than me? Than me. Or me. Now, I'm practicing my interviewing because I'm going to be wandering around Washington, D.C. Um, tomorrow looking for crazy people. And I'm going to do the one microphone thing, so I have to kind of go back and forth like this. Yeah, are you going to try to find, like, the black Hebrew Israelites, or...? Oh, for sure, for sure. I know a few hot spots for them. Um, Chinatown. It's the Chinatown Metro. Chinatown's a big one, for sure. Um, they set up a, uh, in a few other places as well. Um, but we'll see. It's getting cold, so... Yeah, they're, oftentimes they're on the mall somewhere. On the mall, absolutely. That's, uh, remember, where uh, they uh, harassed the... Uh, the guy who was doing a hate crime against the Native American or whatever. I don't remember precisely. Nathan Sandman. Yeah, Mr. Sandman. Um, so, I mean, how do you think? Oh, oh Lordy. Oh, my God. Okay, I think we got to go. All right, all right. So, signing off for now. Okay, bye-bye. All right, we're back. We're uh, walking up to uh, the Capitol how are you feeling today? You know, feeling pretty good. She's feeling good. That's wonderful. Um, what does it make you feel like seeing the Capitol here? Um, you know, seeing that big dome, the uh, mantelpiece of democracy and freedom across the world. It's really hard to keep up with you. You have a really long stride. I have to take like two steps to keep up with one of your steps. Okay, well, that is an interesting, we'll get to that in a second, but what about the question I asked? Uh, it's cold out here. I mean, I don't know, that we used to live here, we saw it a lot. Yeah, but it used to have that scaffolding, so that kind of obscured it a bit, but now it's scaffolding-free. Sometimes people put scaffolding up on buildings and it just stays there forever. New York City seems to have permanent scaffolding everywhere. So the other thing is, what about, um, doesn't this kind of bring up conjure up images of the horrible horrible day january 6th the bloodiest day figuratively in american history it was worse than 9-11 in many ways and in almost every way except that the death toll on january 6th was much higher uh yeah i mean the death toll was uh, in a sense american liberalism and and, and democracy uh, 9-11 had about a thousand times more deaths but those are persons, and in, in many respects, not as important as these sort of bigger issues. Well, when you think about it, the death toll on January 6th was somewhere north of 330 million, you know? Yeah, I might even put it higher than that. I mean, include really the whole Western world in many respects. And the, you know, considering that the United States is a leader in the global south in terms of development and human rights, them too. So maybe seven or eight billion might be a victory for them. I'm going to just going to hold that off for the moment. Um, okay, so we're trying to cross the street here. Um, 
what are your thoughts today? You see any news? Uh, you see, we tried to catch up on the news with uh, on the Today Show this morning with Al Roker. Did you pick up anything important to talk about? There were some floats for the Thanksgiving, Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. There was a big Louisiana float with an alligator that moved its mouth. Yeah, they had some animatronic stuff, real high-tech shit. Um, but, yeah, okay, yeah, not much. Um, this lady, Erin, made a um, squash donut. Was it, it was just like a ring of squash that was fried. Mm-hmm, yeah, like a donut. Well, but like if you fried a slice of zucchini, that wouldn't be like a zucchini f- donut. You know what I'm saying? If you, if it was uh, if there was like a hole in the middle, it would be. I just I don't know. I feel like this that's wrong. Okay, well you know we have disagreements, I guess. Um, so fast. Oh, thank you. Um, okay. Um, I don't know if the mic's picking that up or not. All right. Well, I mean, I guess that's that. Um, I'm uh, practicing my skills. I'm gonna try to get some man on the street stuff later. How do you think it's going? I think I, I'm worried I look weird because I'm kind of wearing a pantsuit, you know? Remember that whole thing about pantsuits? Talking about my interviewing uh, on a man on the street prowess. Uh, oh, I think I think you're doing okay. I think you'll do okay. Great. Yeah, I'm thinking of starting it like this. But I'm going to find the people and I'm going to go, okay, say it with me now. One, two, three. Let's go. Uh, let's go. Oh, am I supposed to repeat? Oh, Brandon. Yeah, fuck him. Yeah, yeah, you could just get probably a lot of people just to say fuck Joe Biden. Yeah, but it's not as cute. That's what I'm going to try to start some of it off with. Obviously, it's not working well with you, and you should probably be the most attuned to it, so it may not work in general. So. I'm about to go to work. My my head's in the game. I'm not. Yeah, whatever. Um, Okay, so I'll just stop it here then, and uh, we'll pick it up later. Okay. All right. So talk soon, guys. All right. I've dropped Liz off where she's going. So now it's just me. Not much activity on the east side of the Capitol, which is where usually you can find something um, that would just look like a school group, which would be interesting, but might be hard to get an interview with the teacher and whatnot. I'm on the west side of the Capitol here, where I would say there's usually less activity. And I have spotted a couple of charter buses and heard in the distance someone on a speaker. Now, that's a little bit too professionally organized to find the kind of material I'm looking for. Uh, But you never know. So I'm going to go check it out. See what, uh, you know, see what they've bust these people in here to do to protest to advocate for who who the fuck knows i'm gonna go and go run that down okay i've made it to where i was going and as i expected very professional operation here looks like the old service employees international union has set up a little demonstration of sort Sign says, care can't wait, time to deliver, home care is essential, all wearing purple and gold. Um, So I assume this is probably like a, I don't know, pass the build back better type thing. Um, 
you know, because I have some care provisions in there, especially, I think, related to long-term care. That's usually what the uh, care stuff has been about, but obviously there's also child care, stuff like that, so maybe they're kind of including that in here. I'm not entirely sure. It's not really going right now. They're just kind of milling around, waiting for, uh, I don't know, people to arrive, 10 o'clock, something like that. So we'll see how it goes. Got some other people marching. This looks like a typical union operation, frankly. Uh, you know, they probably got together a few nonprofit orgs, went down, flew in some members, going to do some marching, going to do some rallying, going to do some speeches, maybe go to a few offices and, you know, emphasize how important it is to pass spill back better or whatever. And, you know, eat the pack lunch and head on back. That's what I imagine how this will play out. I've been involved in a couple of these over the years. You know, not to, you know, I'm not trying to dismiss them or anything. They're, it's part of democracy, I suppose. Um, you know, no different, I guess, than any other lobbying kind of thing, except that, you know, they actually organize real people to come do it. Um, so that makes it better. Um, but for my purposes, probably not going to get a whole lot of nutters. Um, okay, so the, 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 the march, actually, they have like a march that's leading up to it about 40 people in it and so i'm gonna just kind of stand with them as they come through and maybe you can hear them chanting and whatnot uh, i don't know i have this microphone that's intentionally not meant to be that sensitive but i'll try to get as close as i can see if i can get some audio can hear she's saying build back better now build back better now these kinds of things um so it's exciting it's exciting um yeah i think this is more of an emphasis on the um the like long-term care like home care for elder and disabled people um based on uh, the signs and the composition of the uh of the protesters we got a lot of folks out here with wheelchairs things like that so um yeah here we go build back better our homes not nursing homes that's a big thing in the long-term care world home-based care don't put them in nursing homes so you know looking pretty good not really you know not an organization worth antagonizing <laughs> which is my purpose out here so i'm just gonna i'm just gonna tuck this away see if i can go find maybe a more, a more lunatic kind of a, a position out here. Okay, I've uh, headed over to the northwest side of the capital where I've spotted another grouping of people. This one a lot smaller than the SEIU grouping, though the SEIU grouping does not appear to identify as an SEIU grouping. Uh, it, it's a, it's a care coalition grouping that happens to be everyone's wearing purple and and gold so make that what you will uh the SEIU group got to be pretty big actually uh people were trickling in i would say there's probably a good 100 120 people there now singing songs uh it, it is long-term care that they are interested in the uh, build back better 
thing. They were going to give an extra $400 billion to home-based care services under Medicaid. That was like the original plan a few um, months ago. And uh, now it's down to $150 billion um, over 10 years. So that's, you know, like $15 billion a year. I don't know, I guess it's something, um, you know, worth rallying over, I suppose. But obviously a bit of a letdown from what it was. And of course, what it was was not going to be enough either. All those long-term care advocates were making that point a while ago. So anyways, this this other grouping is a lot smaller. <laughs> I'm approaching it. And uh, smaller is usually better in my in my uh, in the way I think about things for this. Um, but hey, if if I can't find any any nuts out here, at that very least, you know, maybe you get some flavor of what it's like to just roam around the capital for a day here in uh, the middle of November. I've arrived. Um, give you the lay of the land first before I start trying to talk to people. This one might actually be a good one. Uh, maybe not. I don't know. It's a little bit unclear. It says, the signs by the stage say, Independent Women's Network. Now, usually that's an indicator of a conservative group. Uh, there's an organization called the, I think, Independent Women's Foundation or Federation or something. And it's just a place for, it's like a, a women-led organization that just has all the same right-wing views that like the Republicans have about how we shouldn't have any welfare benefits or anything like that. Um, now, in addition to that's the name of the organization that seems to be sponsoring this uh, protest, the sign says, government is not a co-parent. We've had enough. And the signs say, educate, not indoctrinate. Um, government shouldn't control our kids. So, you know... I can't really tell you what this is about, <laughs> just looking at it. Um, um, is it an anti-critical race theory thing? I, who the fuck knows, but it looks promising. So I'm, I'm going to try to dip in, see if I can find someone to talk to. All right, they're starting this off with the national anthem. So another good, solid indicator. I don't know if you can hear it because it's a little bit distant, but I'll uh, hold it out for you. I'm going to get next to the microphone. Five school-age kids who are attending public school here in Fairfax County, Virginia, right across the way. Two of my kids um, are here with me today, Max and Maggie. So thanks for coming, guys. <laughs> and um, really, my most important job is to raise my kids to be kind, confident, productive, and patriotic Americans. Those are my values, and that's my job. It's not my school board's job, and it's certainly not the federal government's job. Yet at all levels of government, we are seeing politicians who are trying to push parents aside and are taking over more and more of what used to be considered private life. You're going to hear a lot today about K-12 through public schools, which is an incredibly important topic. But I also want everyone to recognize that another battle is brewing. The Congress is back in town. And right now, they are pushing a proposal that would make the federal government the primary funder of child care and preschool programs. And do you know what that means? Yeah, you know what it means. You know with great money comes great control. If this happens, the federal government will decide what our toddlers are taught and who gets to care for our babies. 
they will be setting the regulations and those providers, especially faith-based providers, that don't want to go along will be pushed out of business. Parents should take notice. Everything that you are concerned about with K through 12 public schools, that's your mask policies, CRT, radical gender ideology, unions who simply don't care about serving children and families, you will be fighting these same battles when it comes to daycare and preschool center if the federal government takes over. Okay, thank you. Next up, we have Congresswoman Harshbarger. Thank you so much. From Tennessee, all right. Thank you. Yes, hey, hello, gal. Yeah. You know, it's a pleasure to join you today and to fight for parents' rights and our children's education. Listen, I am also on in labor, and Virginia is such a great teacher, and she pushes forward your rights as a parent to make sure that you educate them the way you want to educate them. You know, I am a mother as well and a grandmother, and I know how important it is that parents have a voice in their children's education. I taught Sunday school for 24 years, and what they didn't get at home, a lot of times we would try to do that in a church setting. Parents don't want government bureaucrats telling them that they know better when it comes to how and what children are being taught in the classroom, period, because no bureaucrat will ever ever know what's best for your children. Parents have come out from all around the country to voice their valid concerns regarding the rise in critical race theory, which the left says isn't being taught in the schools. And we parents know better than that. Just ask the parents in Virginia. Yeah, because they prove that yes, it was in that race. Democrats have deemed reasonable and concerned parents who get in the way of the radical agenda as domestic terrorists. Okay, they put them in the same category as, for example, Unabomber, for God's sakes. What they're doing is unjust. You know, instead of domestic terrorists, let's just say we're dang tired of what they're trying to do to the parents, okay? This rally is really carrying on. Recorded a lot of it, but I didn't want to record all of it because I didn't want to just zap all the battery in this fucking thing. There's really maybe like 30 people here, but like clearly half of them work for Heritage or something like that. Like some of them have Heritage tote bags, and you know, it's like a lot of just non profit people. That's true of a lot of these kind of rallies like this. Ton of like cameras and sort of alternative media type uh, people out here, including myself. Not really that many people here who don't just aren't on the payroll of a nonprofit org, it seems to me. Um, but I don't really feel comfortable like trying to interview someone while the thing is going on. Maybe I should just pull someone aside, but for the time being, I'm just looking at it. As you can tell, it's all just CRT and... Uh, trans stuff in the schools which I guess they're really hoping to really I don't know they, they're triumphant after Virginia I think that's why they won in Virginia so trying to keep that going but I always find these things kind of weird because like it's it's such a show you know like <laughs> the SEIU one at least you know they had probably 120 some odd people there and you know they're real 
workers and it's kind of a show as well but this one but that one is like it's not really exclusively a show because you go take the members to the members of congress and you talk to them and you know it kind of has that like talk to your legislator feel this thing is like basically like let's use the capital as a backdrop to take a video of people talking into a microphone and present it as if it's a rally when there's really basically no one here um but whatever let's see i might be able to pull someone aside one of the organizers actually came over to it is this uh, uh woman and she's like hey can i help you do you need to like talk to someone you know she's trying to basically get an interview for me and I was like, uh, well, I'm just going to dip in and get someone at some point. And she's like, I could help you. What media are you? And I'm like, oh, well, I have a podcast, the Brunigs. She's like, is that like, what's the political bent of that? I was like, oh, it's kind of hard to say, really. Uh, it's more of a spectacle. It's kind of more of a spectacle of politics thing than I don't know. Um, anyways. She did not, in fact, secure me. <laughs> she was not, uh, not whatever I told her was not enough to convince her to help me get someone. So it's okay because I actually don't want one of the big names. I want one of the random people here if I can find one. Um, but you know. All right, I think I'm gonna go head on out. This thing just keeps fucking going on. I thought for sure they'd just do like four or five little, you know, two, five men speeches head on out. They're just going and going. It's funny, almost everyone's fucking left. <laughs> and almost everyone there actually spoke. So, I stand corrected. I thought, ah, oh, there's a lot of people they kind of shuffled in. Now, there's just, just the whole speaking list was there. They're still going, so. We are back. Um, this time we're at Union Market post activity how are you feeling uh yeah we're having lunch Mm-hmm. which is good uh, yeah my well my editor is like a block away i don't know if we should be doing this uh we are um i did not get any interviews because well um one uncomfortable two i made the mistake of thinking well i'll just wait for the rally to end and then you know once all the speeches are done i'll just talk to someone who's milling around, but the speeches never really ended. They took, it was like an hour and a half, and they were still going. Uh, yeah, that can happen. That happens. You know, so my editor, will, she'll be here any minute, so. Mm, well, we'll talk to her when she gets here. No, 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 no. No, she should probably keep the streams separate. Hmm, okay. Well, she's not here yet, so. We'll just relax until then. Nice music, atmospheric music. We shouldn't. We really shouldn't cross the streams. Look, there's two birds that are fighting over a piece of bread. I think they're actually kind of sharing it. Really, you see that? Yeah, yeah, they are sharing. They're being pretty peaceful about it. Maybe they're married. Possibly could be very cute. That would be really cute. How's it feel being back? Uh, you know, home sweet home. But I feel like if if we if we were the birds, the married birds, you would just give me the whole bread. Yeah, you do get a disproportionate share. You gave me a whole one of your pillows last night. I don't remember doing that. You had two pillows and I had two pillows. And then at one point you gave me one of your pillows because you know I like to have a cuddle pillow to sleep with. Are you sure that that happened or did you just take it from me? How would I have like wrestled it, like fought you? You're like, did you, but we never had a discussion about it. No, you just gave it to me and you patted me. 
Okay, well, you know, I guess well, that's that's a good story in any case. So we'll we'll stick with that. Well, what the fuck is your story about how I woke up with the pillow in my possession? I didn't I didn't know what happened to the pillow. I just folded my pillow over so that I could get enough. You gave it to me. Okay. Maybe that happened. You know, I don't know. I don't remember everything. You did it when I got up and closed the drapes because it was way too bright in there. And when I came back, you produced your pillow and patted me because I had gotten the pillow off the chair to use as a cuddle pillow. I guess. I mean, that's that's good enough. I mean, it makes me look good. So what, what am I even fighting you about? Yeah, I mean, that is what happened. I'm not bullshitting, so. Okay, cool. Um, we're right by the world-famous Gallaudet University, which was uh, featured in a Netflix series, a Netflix reality TV series. Did you happen to catch that? Uh, no. I think it was called Deaf You or something like that. I don't know, but it was shot here. And in fact, one of the scenes was shot right where we are, right here in Union Market. The birds have left the bread. Now we could eat it if we wanted it. A big uh, turning point in that series was um, a gentleman potentially maybe intentionally impregnated another woman at the university um, by sort of slipping the condom. um, And, uh, you know, she ended up having an abortion. And then there was a big fight over, you know, hey, what the fuck? Why would you do that? And he's like, oh, you know, I had a bad childhood and I want to be a dad. And she's like, that's just not cool. What do you think about that? What? A big turning point in the series is that one of the male students impregnated one of the female students, students, at least previously, and kind of uh, surreptitiously, like maybe uh, slipping the condom off or something. And, uh, you know, she was kind of like, hey, you were just trying to trap me, you know, to be your wife or whatever. And it's like, oh, I grew up really bad and I had a bad childhood and whatever. What do you think of that? Not good. Yeah. That didn't, he didn't, he seemed like he was in the wrong in that one. That, and these were deaf people? Both deaf, yeah. He was trying, like, did, the, did this thing, this is scheme of his have anything to do with being deaf? I couldn't, no, I don't think so, not specifically. He wasn't, like, trying to produce more deaf people. No, I think it was just kind of like, you know, I'm in love with her. What if I got her pregnant, then she'd stick around with me. And also, I want to have a family, that kind of thing. Because sometimes you hear that, you know, the the deaf community, not like, I don't think that they're, like, trying to, cre- I, I want to do this over. Mm, oh, boy. Okay. Anyways, that was a great show. I wish they'd come back for another season, but it seems like it was a one and done. Um, like what I what I mean to say is, you know, certain people in the deaf community that you know they just they don't view it as a disability. So they like they say, well, I wouldn't have a child if I had a deaf child. I wouldn't get them cochlear implants or surgery to correct their deafness. Because yeah, the implant thing was a was a big uh, fighting. Point, or it was a little bit of a thing that they talked about, like because some of the people got you that do use implants and some don't, and all the rest of it. So, anyways, I guess we'll just finish it out here, and we'll we'll come back uh, later on our adventure. Yeah, I gotta tell you, I'm I I really don't want my editor approach, and I'm in the middle of alleging that uh, deaf people are trying to forcibly breed a master race of deaf people. Uh, so we should probably. But they are. But they are. So. Joining us today from the airport is Liz Brunick. Hi, Matt. I noticed that you were stopped 
there uh, after the scan. What happened? I had my earbuds in my pocket. Why did you do that? I just forgot. You know the rule is nothing in the pockets, right? I know, I know. I've been through those things a million times. I just, I, when we were getting out of the cab, you know, I don't have my purse with me because I'm traveling. I have the big backpack, and so I just put my earbuds in my pocket. I wasn't even thinking about it. Well, you know, just try to do better next time. Um, the They also stopped one of your bags. Did you see that? Or were you, I think you were getting checked, and I just handled that. No, I was getting patted down i only have one bag why'd they why'd they stop it i don't know why they stopped it because they opened it looked around and just gave it back to me and didn't say anything about it well that's good that they didn't you know take anything out or anything i suppose now one time i came through and i had a full uh, bottle of water and they stopped me and they said uh well we uh you know you can't have water coming through here you know you gotta you gotta get rid of it okay and they they made you pour it out or well it was a plastic water bottle they said you know you could just throw it out or you could dump it out and you know just come back with it empty and i was like well look i got some time why don't we go back and dump this bitch out and i'll just bring a empty dasani bottle through this motherfucker yeah, I assume that's what you would do, yeah. You know, I need this. I'm going to fill it up with water once I get in this bad boy. So you want to go back there and march me through this thing? Well, I guess go for it. They had a dog. They had a dog in there. Mm-hmm, yeah, a, a bomb-sniffing dog. It was really cute. I wanted to pet it, but you can't. The sniffing dogs are fake. Did you know that? They don't. They can't actually do anything? Now, so what they do is, uh, and I mean, in this case, it's maybe a little bit different, but they, all these police departments, they have these canine units, right? And, you know, they need probable cause to search a vehicle, right? Uh-huh. So when they don't have probable cause to search a vehicle, they, uh, you know, and the person's refusing to be searched, they go and get the dogs, they make them sit there until they get the dogs, and then they, you know, they just make the dog bark. Oh. They can just tell the dog to bark, and the dog just does it? Yeah, they're very well trained. So you just, you know, they that's what it is. It's kind of bullshit. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure they got some training as well, but also they just kind of like, you know, snap their finger. Woo, 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 woo. Uh, well, we have probable cause now to search your vehicle because we've detected it with a dog or whatever. Oh, well, um, the dog's harness is, you know, they always say do not pet. You know, not a pet, I'm a working animal, but the people who are handling the dogs, the handlers, they always pet them. Yeah, I wonder, you know, if the dogs, if they had like a collective bargaining representative, you know what, if they would maybe choose different rules about petting. I feel like they would because it seems like that you can actually pet them and it doesn't interfere with their work. So I don't understand why they, their handlers can pet them. Why can't I pet them? Yeah, and it seemed like people make people happier, too, around the dogs. You know, if you could just pet them while they were smelling you. It seemed like it would make the dogs happy as well, you know? Win, 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 in many respects. Maybe make it slower, though. Yeah, I mean, you know, one thing that we could talk about is maybe having dogs in public places generally just for petting and hanging out that might, lower, you know, raise public morale and lower aggression. 
Some people are afraid of dogs. Bitches. And culturally, there are cultural cultures that are against dogs. Oh, God. I'll just go ahead and prepare my apology statement. Yes. Unbelievable. Can I give her some signs there? Can I give her my material? I don't care. Oh, okay, great. So, hold this. Oh, they're not really No, they're not letting us in. You're on. I want to go in there to be with you guys because we came all the way from South Florida for this. They're not letting us in there for this man who's going to be executed. He's, he's going to be alone. And we have to be here for him. Please. Why, why won't you let him in? Man, I mean, all they want to do is stay with us man, at the vigil. He's got a, he, he has a family We're not too. breaking the rules for anybody. He's got a name. We're not breaking the rules or bending the rules for anybody. These are set uh, Do you see anybody else in line not, behind them asking? I'm not going to argue with you, man. That's just, that's the rules. And we're not going to bend them for anybody. How can we best support you? Should we bring the vigil in here? But they, we have to move down the road. No. How, what's going on over there? Is there more than one group of people? There's a group of about um, about ten of us, and there's a couple ministers, and we have a vigil prepared. Please. Well, y'all should Please. just go ahead and do that, Please. and we'll be down the street, I guess. But I mean, these uh, are just peaceful-loving people who came from across the country to bear witness to what's happening. The gates close at five. Yeah, but How they is had to hurt? find a restroom. How is it going to hurt anybody? Is that going to hurt me? This is an arbitrary rule. Who decided this protocol for people like me? What? They've explained this over and over. We're going to come through here if it's locked, then. Why can't we be here if it's locked? Nobody else is going to come through. Nobody except law enforcement. I can't. I, I came all the way for this. Take I'm in a wheelchair. I'll be back. Sure. I'm handicapped. I got. I got to be here with them. There are only a couple people that came all the way too, waiting for us. I don't see any law enforcement coming in. Well, you know, we've gone to jail before. And nobody wants to do that. It's, it's sort of, I think, silly. But um, there it is. He's gonna be, gotta be there for, for them. Hi, what about I'm, the family? Mark, the name? Sure, I'm Abraham. A B R A H A M. Last name Bonowitz. B as in boy. O and as in Nancy. O W I T Z. B O N O W I T Z. Uh, this is Suzanne, S-U-E, capital Z-A-N-N. S-U. S-U-E, capital Z-A-N-N. Last name Bosler, B-O-S-L-E-R. B-O-S. L-E-R. Just Google that name and you'll find out all about her. Okay. Um, and, uh... You're both from Florida. Yeah, we're, we're with a group called Death Penalty Action. And, you know, she's in a wheelchair. It took us longer to take a bathroom break on the way. So five, you know, we get here five minutes late and they've locked the gate. And there's no wiggle room. Thank you so much.
more signs I can hold. I want to hold um, a sign. You've got your shirt on. You've got your shirt on. You're wearing a sign. So. got people here from um, New York, uh, Florida, Ohio, um, and others that got, did get here on time. And all we want to do is stand witness to this execution. So so the issue here is you just got here late and they're not letting you in? Five minutes late. We got here. They, the protocol is that you lock the gate at 5 o'clock apparently and we got here a couple minutes too late. And, you know, we would have been here maybe on time if we hadn't gone to the main entrance. We didn't even know to come to this here because we've not been to an execution here. There hasn't been one since 2012. So it's just kind of silly. Um, but protocol is protocol, right? It looks that way. Do you guys go to every execution? Or? Scott here and I are uh, the co-founders of something called Death Penalty Action. And what we do is we provide... Um, resources and training and leadership for people um, uh, who want to stand up and say no to the death penalty and there's petitions and all that sort of thing on our web page and what we do is you know you, you got t-shirts we got signs for people we're ready among us are, are people who like, like Suzanne who's a murder victim family member she watched her father be stabbed to death uh, and and she herself was stabbed and left um, for dead that's not why she's in the wheelchair. She got a bike accident last week, but but uh, that happened in 1986. And she's a leading spokesperson on the healing power of forgiveness and the fact that we don't need the death penalty to be safe from dangerous offenders or to hold them accountable. And by the way, by the point time they're incarcerated, they're not dangerous anymore. They can't hurt anybody. But people who have done terrible things, we can be saved from them without executions. It's what we do in the vast majority of cases. So what do, you, what do you think about this case where uh, David is saying that he, w he wants to be executed and he waived a bunch of appeals? Does that change the calculation at all? Well, no, because there's two ways to look at it. One is he's asking us to assist his suicide, to do something that nobody else in the state can do, get the government to help them die. And he did not always want to waive his appeals. If you know that this prison is under investigation by the Department of Justice for poor prison conditions, that they're having prisoners um, drink brown water, that prisoners are being bitten by rats and other kinds of vermin, you know, that becomes the big question. Um, right, so he, he's waiving his appeals he's, in, he's the, in the background of, of a lot of, of knowing what's going to come, and if we didn't have the death penalty, he would he probably have a have different attitude. In prison. That's what most killers, most people who get who are capital murderers get the sentence of death by incarceration. Which is not fun, not easy. Uh, I mean, prison is horrible any way you look at it. But if if you're one, if you're somebody that wants real vengeance and to make prisoners suffer, make them die in prison, as opposed to killing them. But, so, but so 
you're for life in prison That's a, as an alternative? No, we, we just recognize that that is what the alternative in, um, is right now in most states um, and, and in most capital murders. So there are people who could be productive citizens again. Uh, but the reality is right now the alternative to the death penalty is to run away the key. And again, we're safe from danger from people who were hurt who have hurt others, and, um, and and we hold them accountable without executions in the vast majority of cases. What makes a difference is the race of the victim, how much money the county uh, had, the, where the where the crime occurred, that sort of thing, so they can afford a death penalty prosecution. Yeah, those things matter more than the severity of the crime. Yeah, there's a lot of arbitrariness in who gets who gets the sentence and who doesn't, right? Exactly. So, how how do you how is this going to resolve? Do you think are you guys? Uh, that, what are they telling you to do exactly? They want you to move down or highway patrols come and gone, right? So, you know, we're not doing we're not blocking the road. We're not they're blocking the road, um, and we've already had experiences of where courts have thrown out arrests because you know we charged with blocking the road and they blocked it first. So, you know. We're not trying to create a disturbance. We're not trying to do anything other than just join our friends who are already in there. And the only reason that we were delayed is because we had trouble waiting. We had to wait for the handicapped restaurant restroom to be accessible. Right. So, yeah. So, so, so they already brought someone down here, and then they just left. You think they're just well, just going to kind of let you guys set up here or you think they're actually going to bring some police or you I don't guess even we'll know. see but you know if the, if the highway patrol shows up <laughs> we'll pack it up but, but no, re- no arrest today proximity. no arrest today what's that you're not going to get arrested we are not no you can't get arrested with a broken pelvis so no if they make us go we'll go but you know there's there's um the, the see here the gate's going to be open so it looks like I got to move Can can I talk to you for a second? What? Can I talk to you for a second? Yeah. So, uh, what's your name? Suzanne Bossler, S-U-E, capital Z-A-N-N, B-O-S-L-E-R, from South Florida. All right, and what and what are you doing here, and what, what's happening? I came here all the way from South Florida to be here for David Cox's unfortunate execution. And I am here to protest with the other people hold a sign to make sure people know we are against the death penalty. I am a victim. I watched my father get stabbed to death, and I was also stabbed left for dead. But I was able to get the man who did it off of death row and in for life because we don't believe in the death penalty. It doesn't bring my, my our parents back and the people back. It doesn't give us closure. It doesn't do anything. And I was able to forgive him five and a half years later, and I was a stronger person. And per- people have to remember, forgiveness is not for the other person. The forgiveness is for us. And we have to continue holding signs to make sure people know that death penalty is freaking wrong. It's freaking wrong. Why kill people who kill people to show us that killing people is wrong? It's very simple. Right, yeah. It's an example of what we, they don't want people to do. 
So what? Uh, so what's going on here? Why? Why? There's some some kind of uh, conflict. Why are they doing what they're doing? I don't know. I'm in a wheelchair. Came all the way from South Florida, and they won't let me just hold a sign over there. So you want to come in and, and go to the like protest area, and they're I'm not letting you? Protest area and be with my people for David Cox. It's all we have to do. We're not hurting anybody. We're not. We're not bringing any weapons. We're not going to do anything bad. We're doing this as a peaceful protest for this man who is getting executed in a barbaric way in America. Okay, so one question I had is with, um, in this case, he, uh, David, has waived his appeals. He says he wants to die. I mean, what do you, what do you make he of that? His appeals because he wants to die because, he, of course, look at what's happening. Look what's happening. How many of us know exactly what's going on where he lives? We've heard about a lot of horrible things in there, what they put him through. And how many people would want to do that? Right, so you think that that decision is being made in the context of being in prison and, and, and perhaps bad treatment and that absolutely, sort of thing? Absolutely, absolutely. And how he's been here, yes, he did a bad thing, but if we don't give them a chance to be better people, how are they going to be better people? And I don't know what kind of programs, if they have any programs in here for people like that to rehabilitate them, but they need that. Yes, exactly. Yes. Water and God only. Yes, God only knows how many rats are in there. Right, bad prison conditions. Investigation by the Department of Justice yes. right now. Yes, I heard that. I read that. So it's like, how many people want to want to stay in there for the rest of their lives? Right, that makes sense. Okay, well, thanks. I, I appreciate it. And, but on you know, the other hand, it's best always to give people life, not death, and give them good treatment in America. So that they can be better people and be human beings, which they are. Like I was telling them, they're not a number. They have a name. They have a freaking name. They were created by God and their parents to be here on this earth, but not to die in this barbaric American way that third world countries do. Don't do it. Don't do right. So Don't do it. As far as al save money. alternatives, do you prefer life in prison or do you think that's too steep as well? Absolutely life in prison because that's what I got for my man who who did it in Florida four consecutive life sentences the guy, who, be, the guy who killed my father I, he has to be in the rest of his life he's one particular person that I I do not want out to hurt other people absolutely but there are a few that do become better people and it has been proven so also it has been proven that people were innocent after they were executed after they were executed they were proven innocent how wrong is that Right. You worry about wrongful convictions, among other things. Absolutely. There's innocent people, not just on death row. There's innocent people in prisons all over the world, all over the world that don't get their say at all. Yeah, they might have been, per, you know, people on the streets, but this one particular one, they're not they're innocent, but found guilty no matter what. All right. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Thank you all very much for being here and thank you for your patience. And uh, we sent this over for final judgment about 10 minutes after 6. Y'all heard the lady as well as I did. You all witnessed, most of you witnessed the event as well as I did. So we're supposed to hold this press conference, but we want to just say that we appreciate you being here. We appreciate your, your demeanor and everybody was congenial and easy to get along with. And, we were trying to do that too, and so it was a smooth event, even though it was an event that it's not what we desire so much. But anyway, we just want to see if uh, 
if you, you witnessed it, so feel free to ask any questions or make any comments or anything you want to ask us. We're willing to, to answer any way we can. And so if anybody else has a comment or question about what they saw, now's the time to do it. And I'm happy to have Jay Mallett with me, the Deputy Commissioner, and, and Leonard, our Chief Counsel, Leonard Vincent, and Gary McDonald, who is our Executive Deputy Commissioner. And uh, appreciate Mr. Grafani being here with us. He's somewhere in the room back there. And uh, stood by. So anybody have any comments or questions? Oh, let me think. We said a lot, we did a lot of talking. Uh, he made his final statement and uh, he did ask me to tell his son that he loved him. And uh, he asked me to, uh, and that was really about it. And uh, he talked about the process and he talked about, you know, what was it going to be like and so forth. And so our job is to carry out the law, do it as peaceful and easy as we can, and keep everything copacetic without any problems. And our desire was to do that. And I commend Superintendent Morris because without a glitch, and all the staff here, and all the employees at this prison, the CID folks, and all the MDOC employees were very professional, did a great job, provided everything for everybody, was accommodating to any and everybody. Our chaplains were very effective. And for all of the folks here, MDOC employees, I'm very, very proud of the way they conducted themselves. Right. That's it. He didn't say a lot. We just talked about the process. Yeah, the final word you say, Leo, give it to me. I will tell my, I want to tell my children that I love them very, very much, and that I was a good man at one time. And I only read the King James version of the Bible, and I appreciate the commissioner for being so nice to me. So that's just the final statement. Any questions from anybody or any comments? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Hey, in, in my experience, and I've experienced probably more than any of anybody in the room, this was the smoothest that I, no one could have been more smooth. It was. It was, he was talking about the pain, he didn't feel any, and so there were no glitches with this. This was as smooth as it could be. I've never seen one smoother. Not all of us in here were witnesses, so just, any additional comments about what happened leading up to it? You mentioned that he had some questions about the process. Can you explain that a little bit more? Was he afraid that it was going to hurt, things along those lines? Well, here's the deal. Our goal is here. Let's not forget the victim. Let's not forget the pain the victim suffered and so forth. But let's recall, let's remember that we couldn't be there. There was nothing we could do to help the victim. So we're supposed to do what we can to help him, to get through the process, to do it as smoothly as possible for everyone's sanity, as well as the staff and everyone plus him. And so therefore in doing that, we focus on his feelings, how he feels away from the victim and try to get him through it. And so in doing that, we're gonna spend a lot of time with him. We're gonna talk to him. That's why we ate the supper with him. We were making relationships, saw him two other times. We did and, and Carrie McDonald came with me and Jay and, and Leonard and Courtney. I didn't call Courtney out, but 
but she came too, and we spent a lot of time with him to get a relationship so we could cause him to be calm, and I think we succeeded in doing that. It got him to be calm as he could be, because we don't want someone to go in our fight and screaming and carrying on and giving us the blues and so forth. So I think we accomplished what we set out to do. It's trying. I'm tired, you know, so anyway, it's been a long day, but uh, it's what we do. Yes, ma'am. I know you were actually here on behalf of the um, the inmates, but what about the victim's family? Are we expecting any kind of comments from them? I can't hear. We don't know of any comment that they want to make. They had witnesses there. I don't see them here. So I don't know that they wanted to make any comment. If they were here and wanted to make a comment, they would be here, I suppose. They made no comments to us. I never did. I don't even didn't meet them. Any other questions? Well, the visual, to, to drop, paint you a picture of it, we left his cell, and uh, and I came out, and the superintendent came first, and we walked, and he followed us in the room, and we got in a room, the table was very, very close to his cell, just a few steps away, and then we all knew which direction we were going to go. And so from there, we went to our particular place. Since I had the most relationship with him, then I stayed close to his head, to talk to him, and then he asked me while he was there, was he going to have any pain? And you can't answer that without thinking about the victim, but in his case, no, you're not going to have any pain. I don't see any pain. And I explained about blue lights and things like that, what Billy Graham said about the angels carrying your soul to heaven. All this is time for him to come and, and get this process on. And so that's the kind of thing we talked about. And so if he had any questions, we talked. And then he wanted to close his eyes. That's great. He wanted to know about the different wires and lines and so forth. And that was great. And I think people were really good. They didn't hurt him. And so didn't have to stick him at once. So that was good. So it's all good. It was really a smooth process. You couldn't make it more picture perfect than we had tonight. I've never seen one that perfect. So that's kind of how it was. You all witnessed it, so your purpose of witnesses, and especially the press, is so you can share what you saw with the other press. So feel free to share what you saw with the other press. That's why you were drawn to do this. So uh, share. Yes, ma'am. You were talking to him about Billy Graham's quotes about the angels carrying you. Do you believe that Mr. Cox, do you believe he was a born-again Christian? I believe he was what? Bible said, judge not lest you be judged. I was standing by my window on one cold and cloudy day when I saw the Come rolling for to carry my mother away. Will the 
I told the undertaker, undertaker, please drive slow for this body. You are hauling how I hate to see her go. Will the circle be unbroken by and by? Sky.